Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Post 20 Podcast. You're now listening to episode 155 of the show. My name is Evan. I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, Matt. And what's going on on this glorious Wednesday morning? It is a glorious Wednesday. Um, first off, with the records, get that out of the way. Everybody had a positive week. Let's go. Climbing back. Uh, myself and Evan both went 6-4, and four, mm. and then Zach led the pack 7-3. and three. Uh, but he does keep his Ofer dream alive with Brentford. He did get that one wrong, so he's still uh, well. Now he's zero and nine with Brentford picks. So, um, and we're gonna get that pick right away when we get to him because uh, that's a Friday night game. Them against Brentford or Brighton. Sorry. So, um, yeah. So that takes everybody's overall records. Evans now forty and forty-seven, and then Zach and I are both fit, uh, forty-five and forty-two. All right. I'm 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 chasing it down. A six and four week is a good week. My picks across all content that we make uh, at post 20 have been somewhat diabolical. So six and four I'll take for this week, considering there was some some strange bogey matchup. Yeah, this um, was probably the most positive I've ever seen my record. Yeah, that's good. So let's jump in. Uh, we had Newcastle taking on Brentford. At the uh, was this at the this was at St James Park, so a home game for Newcastle. It was an absolute destruction uh, <clears throat> from those boys from Tyne. Five uh, one Bruno Guimaraes getting two goals in this one. One in the twenty first, one in the fifty sixth. Jacob Murphy had one in the twenty eighth. Uh, MLS legend Miguel Almiron another one in the eighty second, and then there was a ninetieth minute uh, own goal from Ethan Pinnock on Brentford. Ivan Tony did manage to convert a penalty. But that was all in terms of goal scoring for the Bees. Now, this is not necessarily how I saw this game going. I thought Newcastle would win, but I didn't think it would be um, this much of a bloodbath. But Bruno Guimaraes, I mean, this this guy is really, really good. When he's in the team, and I know he's had, I think, two injuries already, but he's he's come back, and he's when he comes back, he's at full strength. Uh, he's an absolute grinder. In that position that he plays, which is, I guess it's like a holding mid, he's able to really play the box-to-box role really well. I think he's suitable to play Cam, honestly. I know they don't play with Cams necessarily, but he's also suitable to even play defensive midfield or just right in that holding midfield role. Um, And alongside Longstaff and Willock, who are not, you know, (laughs) fantastic players, I think Kimarish does a great job of holding down the center of the park. He's so good going forward. Um, and he was he's probably one of the top five signings, I think, that have been made in the last year or so. He's, he's really, really good. Jacob Murphy and Almiron both got goals as well. None for Callum Wilson, which is a bit of a surprise. Uh, and then in terms of Brentford, just, just not a good performance here. Uh, they do still have Thomas Frank there. Things are ugly right now. They haven't been able to string together great results so far this season. I don't know if we're going to see that or not, but... It's not been good for them. They're in eleventh uh, now. Newcastle are sitting uh, in sixth, just one point behind United. Th- this was a good watch, but I-, I was a little bit surprised that Brentford came out so flat. Yeah, and two of the five goals they gave up were clear errors from yeah. the goalkeeper and uh, Pinnock. The defense just poor passes back and clearances, and it's very unacceptable. I mean, if even if one happens, you're shocked, but twice in the same match is. Unforgivable. I'm sure Thomas Frank is absolutely human with the staff. Looking, rewatching the film. Um, like you mentioned, Gimarez was the X factor here ever since he joined in January from Lyon. 
Um, with all that Champions League experience, he's a top, top quality player who could play for the biggest teams in the league. So, um, like you mentioned, he's getting the job done with maybe the second string guys in there. Um, Joe Willock's played, I think, every minute of every game he can. And Longstaff's in there covering for Jolington, who did make a return from injury. And then they still have John Joe Silvey waiting to come back, too. So they're still not even at their full strength going forward. We saw St. Max as well come off the bench. Didn't have a major impact, but getting fitness under his belt again is nice to see. Um, Newcastle finally get that win after all those draws. It's nice to see they're going to get some form going, and they're going to take it into a big match uh, against United to where they really need to hold it down. And I think so far Trippier has really been their player of the season so far. Uh, every single attack he's involved in got another assist today. I think every time I see on the one fantasy app, he's always voted player of the match. So, um, yeah, they've brought in great players over the past year since the takeover. Uh, Eddie House figured out his main 11 to 13 guys he plays every game. And, yeah, they blew Brentford out of the water. Yeah, absolutely. And when we see Jolinton sort of slot back in there full time for Longstaff, I think we're even going to have more uh, of an offensive powerhouse here. St. Max, of course, not in right now, uh, coming back from that injury. And when he gets in for Murphy, who's actually done a decent job uh, while he's been in the, the starting 11, I think that, you know, we're really going to see a solid Newcastle team. They They are good. Um, I know I predicted them pretty high up in the table when we did our, our predictions, but I do actually think that they, they just play really well as a unit, and they have a couple of guys that you can depend on every single week for a good performance. So um, good to see Newcastle uh, playing well. They were once a powerhouse, and it's good to see them sort of come back uh, to that level, even though you know it's, of course, funded by disgusting oil blood money. Okay, let's jump into Bournemouth 2, Leicester City 1. God, this was abysmal. I thought the Foxes would carry on um, a little bit of momentum after defeating Nottingham Forest very convincingly last week, but they were unable to do so. Despite Pats and Daka scoring a lovely goal in the 10th minute, Bournemouth were able to rally. A Philip Billing goal in the 68th and a Ryan Christie finish in the 71st propelled Bournemouth to all three points in this one. Bournemouth now in 8th position, which is insane. They're on 12 points. Leicester, again, in 20th on 4 points. Just one point behind Nottingham Forest and two behind Wolves, who are in 18th. Man, I, I just was so shocked to see Leicester let their foot off the gas in that second half. They were sloppy. I thought there were still chances after they conceded the first, but they just they just didn't finish them. They didn't finish Bournemouth, and they should have. This is, you know, we, we saw last week, after they scored the first against Nottingham Forest, they used it as momentum. They put the fork in, in Nottingham Forest, and they weren't able to do that against Bournemouth. I don't think Bournemouth are that good of a team. Uh, Philip Billing, we we do have to say, has been really good this year. It's kind of crazy, but he's been very solid. He has a couple of really clutch goals, equalizers, winners. Um, and then Ryan Christie, a good goal there. Dominic Solanke, not necessarily been the player I thought he would be. He's been quiet. Um, and then on the Leicester side, pretty much everybody's been quiet besides, you know, James Madison. And, and Doc has been okay, but... There, there are just issues with the way that that team is run, I think. And I know we've talked about that before, but 
a scoreline like this is just really indicative of, of the culture there right now. It's not good. I think they probably need a new manager. Yeah, I think Braj is definitely the next on the chopping block out of all the managers. I'd say left. They're back there and dead last. A point behind Forrest again now. Um, they do play in spurts. There's not a full half where they consistently play. Um, it's inconsistent. The back line got exposed even after having the lead, um, playing long balls down the line, and that the new signing of Vout Faze who came in to replace Fofana, just still not getting up to up to the standard he needs to be at for them to hold these results. Um, I wouldn't even put too much weight on Danny Ward this game. It was more on the team on the field. We 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 did see Ndidi not play. Um, we, we mentioned that injury last week he picked up and James Madison just couldn't get going, I guess. He couldn't he can't perform like that every single game. And Bournemouth now two wins and three ties since Scotty P left. The, I think this is the highest I've seen a team with a negative twelve goal differential in the league table. Um it doesn't show to how the team's playing now. Obviously one game messes up the average there, but they've switched to this four four two. They have a consistent team playing together. They have a common goal. Like you mentioned, they're not a very good team when you compare them to the league, but they have a great collective overall to get the job done. They did go down, and they didn't put their heads down give up early, even in the 10th minute. So it's a good thing for them going forward. It'll be interesting to see if they get a new manager or if they keep rocking Gary O'Neill, because it seems like it's working there. And they did just get a new owner, too. that Foley guy, I think it's Bill Foley. I could yep. be wrong there, but that's right. he owns the Vegas Knights. That's the hockey team, or Correct. no? Yep. Yeah, so they paid like $130 million, which is pretty cheap for that's a Premier League team. That's pennies. Um, yeah, if, you can, if he can somehow maintain them in the league, that'll just only keep going up. So good investment from that side. Team's playing well. Should probably keep the manager. And they get a favorable matchup now against... Uh, fellow promotion side Fulham yeah. to really keep going there before this win- World Cup window. Yeah, and I'm going to take a minute to just pause on the fact that the table is extremely congested right now. Yeah. Um, from ninth or from <clears throat> from sixteenth, which is where Villa sit, to eighth, which is where Bournemouth sit, there there is essentially nothing. Um that is separating these teams. It's one game. It's one match. So Villa are on nine and Bournemouth are on 12. Uh, I don't know. I think that this table is really going to really gonna get yeah. shaken up as, as we sort of move towards like the World Cup period. And that's another thing, like Matt just mentioned the World Cup. We're going to have to see how all of this sort of works because when you look at, at the top of the table – Pretty much every single player uh, that is in the starting eleven on on those teams is going to be starting for their World Cup side. So uh, we have to pray for injuries, and then if injury or pray against injuries, rather. Sorry, uh, I, I am praying for injuries personally to City, Tottenham, Chelsea. I'm not worried about right now, but um, yeah, I don't know. It, it's it's really strange. We're we're gonna have to see how things pan out, but. I don't think that this, the way that the table looks right now, is going to be even remotely significant uh, when you look at it in, like, January. You know what I mean? Yeah. <clears throat> okay, let's um, 
Let's jump into Man City versus Southampton. Man City 4, which we expected. Southampton nil. Oh, excuse me, nil. Uh, Cancelo getting on the board early in the 20th. Phil Foden in the 32nd. Riyad Mahrez in the 49th. Holland, only one goal in this game. Shocking in the 65th. Uh, we should say Holland probably could have had three, four goals. Uh, There's a couple that, that um, what's his name? Uh, Bazunu just stood on, stood on his head for and, you know, I think Southampton were, were lucky to not lose this game 6 or 7 nil because City were just out there as dominant as they possibly could be. Um, there's not really much that we need to talk about other than the fact that City can get goals from every single position on the pitch. Ake and Diaz started there at the back. Akanji actually played right back. I think that was not great. His performance stood out to me as something that was subpar despite them not scoring or not conceding a goal. Uh, Armstrong, Adams up top for Southampton, nothing going there. Stewart Armstrong out on the right. It was just not, it, it was not a, a good performance from Southampton, but I think this is something that we all, uh, sort of expected with this game. City had become the first team to score at least four goals in five consecutive top flight games since, uh, Tottenham Hotspur in, in 1963, they had a run of six. So, uh, city are absolutely flying right now. I don't really see it stopping at all. They rested some guys yesterday with their uh, match against whoever that was. I think it was a Danish team, Copenhagen maybe. Yeah. Um, it was a nil-nil draw from from what I I gather. So City play with ten men. Oh, there was a red. Yeah, for uh, Sergi Gomez. Oh, okay. Well, that that makes a little bit more sense then. As well as no Holland. Yeah. So it's. We'll see if they sort of develop a crutch with Holland. I don't. I don't really see that happening. Uh, I've heard some some chatter about it, but I, I really don't see that happening. I think they're just they're good enough in all the positions. They really did start a young team yesterday. Uh, there was a lot of rotation, so I don't know if you have much to to add about this game, but it was a, a full on destruction. Yeah, um, United last week put up more of a fight going forward than Southampton. Obviously, the the overall quality of the team. Um, that's four straight losses now for Southampton. They're in 17th, right above the relegation zone. It's not really too much you can ask them to do. They they play a certain style. Um, obviously, Hassan Hoodle is also under the microscope of uh, potentially getting sacked. He's been there uh, quite a long time, one of the longer tenured managers in the league. Um, I mean, there were points last year where we were talking about him needing to get sacked, but... They saw it through, and they 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 kind of got a late run of form going towards the end of last year. And this is how they're going to be. There's going to be spurts where right now they have four straight defeats, and then there's going to be spurts where they're undefeated for three to four games. So um, that's just the type of team they are. City, I definitely think with that right back position now that Kyle Walker is injured, that's something maybe even Liverpool this weekend can try to exploit. But they have major injury concerns of their own with Diaz and Trent. So. Um, it's not going to be the, the most ideal matchup thinking about it. You wanted, you're not going to see every single player that you want to see in that game, but still it's two, two high profile clubs that are going to clash and it's really going to decide whether, um, Liverpool are still anywhere near able to compete with, with teams like city or not. Yeah. Okay. Let's jump into another destruction. Chelsea three wolves nil. Um, Diego Costa returning home to the bridge. He got a nice applause from the Chelsea faithful 
uh, when he was subbed off around the 60th minute. Nice to see. They uh, they appreciated him a lot when he was there. But we'll jump to the goals. Kai getting on the end of one uh, at the end of the first half. He scored in the 45th. Belisic with a deft finish in the 54th. And then Armando Broya, uh, young <clears throat> player at Chelsea. He's been all over. Um, he was at Southampton last year. Really nice to see him get a goal in the 89th here. 20 shots for Chelsea, seven of those on target. Wolves with just eight shots and two total on target. Chelsea controlled the game in terms of possession as well, registering almost 60%. This is a great lineup for Chelsea. Uh, I think Chalaba and tonight, it was nice to see uh, Koulibaly getting the start here. He was sort of battling to get himself back into the team. Uh, and and sort of meet Potter's expectations, which was nice. But Mount, you know, he's not been the goal-scoring threat uh, that we maybe would have wanted. He missed a chance here, but it was uh, a good facilitator in this game. I think he looked solid, and it was really, really, really nice to see Pulisic get a goal here because um, he needs to to get some confidence as we move into the the World Cup season. I think it was a good finish. It was it was very sharp. And I saw a stat the other day that like Pulisic is one of their top scores from open play since 2019 or something, which is crazy because you really don't like you don't see him score all that much. But he did have that when when Project Restart happened and, and at the end of COVID, he did have an absolutely sensational run of form. So uh, I thought that was interesting. But if Pulisic can sort of, you know, get himself in and and stay sharp. I think that's that's nothing but a good thing for Chelsea and then especially for the men's national team. Yeah, I would say he's probably the closest thing we have to like a one-on-one guy, maybe Sterling a little bit more. Yeah. Um, they were trying to identify people that are good uh, one-on-one attackers. You're looking at Zaha and Liao and we, we've handled our business now in the Champions League. We did the double over Milan yesterday. So now we're top of the group. Um, favored to go through as the top team, which is nice. That's a relief now going forward. I When I saw this initial 11 lineup, I was a bit worried. Um, we've seen this in the past where he puts a lot of these younger players in the game, and uh, we can't really get things going. And the one game Gallagher picked up the double yellow, and things kind of went downward, and went down a downward spiral a bit. And um, we recovered still, but now that uh, Fofana is going to be out for a little bit, I think Koulibaly is going to get an extensive run in there with Thiago Silva. Um, Chilobo will come in if we do the back three. If not, he'll be an emergency guy. Now we have um, Reese James picked up a concerning injury yesterday in that Champions League game I mentioned. Um, unclear how long that's going to be, but we got Aspi there who, in this game specifically, could have had at least three assists. Um, we just couldn't get on the end of it. Shocker. And then now Keppa is getting the number one nod for uh, a couple games now. So it's now we have a battle there with him and Mendy, which I guess is okay. I don't know. Keppa's been one foot out the door, really, with a lot of managers in the club for a while. Um, we'll see what happens in the next window if Potter decides to maybe try to move him on or try to get money out of Mendy. I don't know. But, um, yeah, I was happy with the team performance overall. It was clear-cut from the beginning that Wolves' defense just wasn't up for the task. They really struggled to clear their lines. And um, their midfield was lackluster without Neves in there. They really didn't have any heart. Um, They were playing that Mateus Nunes in a deeper role. He's more of a 10. They were playing him more as an 8 and didn't really suit him. 
but they did have their chances, and I was happy Costa didn't score because that would have been hella awkward. Yeah. Um, but yeah, overall, you could tell we were going to win this game. I was pretty sure about it, and um, now we're still undefeated under Potter since he's joined as a manager. So only good things to come. We got a we got another I think decent matchup this week coming up, and uh, I'll be looking forward to it. Yeah, absolutely. Should be interesting to watch. Uh, okay, let's move in to the next one. We had Brighton nil, Tottenham one. A relatively ugly affair down at Falmer Stadium. Saw Spurs get all three points despite uh, being locked into a battle for the entire game. We should say um, that there was a, a, a... I thought it was a touching tribute, honestly. Not much uh, gets gets the emotions flared up anymore just because I don't care most of the time. But um, a very nice tribute to Tottenham's... Um, fitness coach who passed away unexpectedly i believe last week um that was that was really really tough to watch you could see uh how emotional conte was i believe that coach has been with conte for some time he's followed him around so uh, i'm sure that was one of conte's closest friends and it, it was it was tough to watch it was it was a very nice uh tribute to him all of the players lined up and it it was nice to see um, and Kane, Kane got them, uh, Kane got the result for them this game. So I'm sure it was, it was a nice emotional win for them. Um, the only goal came in the 22nd minute when, when Sun refed a ball back in, uh, there was a duck and then Kane managed to get himself back onto the end of it, um, <clears throat> and get it home. It, it was a fantastic goal. It's, it's truly amazing. The more and more I watch Kane, the more I realize that a majority of his, Skill set is just in offensive awareness and positioning. Uh, I, I've I've always known that he's he's very very sharp in terms of his positioning, but his pace is only you know lessening as the years go on. He can run, but he's just always in the right spot, and he's always gonna give you a solid finish. After you know the week before, it wasn't wasn't a great performance in Frankfurt. This was nice to get three points against Brighton, who are an extremely good team. Uh, I thought Brighton were a little bit unlucky to not get a goal for themselves, but they didn't, and Tottenham take all three points in this one. Yeah, I think this is the most shots in a game I've seen Danny Welbeck have this season, around like four to five, whether they were on target or not. Um, He was very trigger-happy. Just couldn't get the one to get on frame. Um, I think this is the first time, correct me if I'm wrong, we've seen Tottenham drop three in the middle to start a game. Yeah, they really wanted Bensicor, Hoiberg, and Basuma. They really wanted to win that midfield battle, which is something Brighton have dominated every game. Um, and that's one thing Spurs did well here, coming out. And they have two guys up front they can really trust to hold the ball up and create things to get us forward. Uh, we saw Doherty start out there. Obviously, Emerson with the red. He had a few clear cut chances very early that he skied over the bar. Could have been a statement there, but. Uh, he still stays behind in the pecking order. We did see Richarlison come off the bench, didn't really do too much, but by then the job was already secured. Um, Brighton, this is kind of how we thought we'd, we'd see them playing against these big teams. Um, just couldn't find that one clear-cut chance to really get it in. I think if they would have scored, things would have fell apart for Tottenham a bit, but they they did exactly what I thought they'd do. They just keep it nice and close, really hold it down, and I think if I would have known in advance about the the passing of Conte's fellow uh, colleague 
that would have been a massive massive bit of money on the team there i did i did my slip was tottenham but i did pick the over which is something that is unforgivable in a brighton tottenham game so but i did think tottenham will win this game in the end so they they keep their top four hopes alive they're only four points behind arsenal now um and it's looking like that arsenal win against them has proven to be the difference yeah, that was an important win. I'm I'm really glad we we managed to take that one from them. Um okay, West Ham 3 Fulham 1. Great performance from West Ham again. Jared Bowen is uh back to life. Fulham did get mudded early here with an Andreas Pereira goal in the 5th, but they managed to fight back. Bowen in the 29th on a penalty. Gianluca Scamacca. The more and more I say the name, the more and more it sounds like a type of pasta. He scored in the 62nd, and then Mikel Antonio scored in the 91st. Good to see Mikel get on the score sheet as well. He uh, he got subbed on. Paqueta, I think, was good in this game. Bowen, of course, great to see him convert on the penalty. Rice and Suchek look a little bit more comfortable. Uh, you know, that, that fifth-minute goal, not great, but thankfully it wasn't that big of a deal. They managed to fight back. And then, of course, to see Mikel Antonio come in was good as well. So this is a, a great result for West Ham. They needed it. Uh, they're, start of, they're, they're sort of starting to catch fire a little bit. West Ham are in 13th on uh, 10 points, and then Fulham are in 9th on 11 points. So it, I think it's, it's great to be tied with a team like Liverpool at this point in your season. West Ham haven't necessarily played a ton of hard teams. Um, but I think there's a chance for them to sort of jump up into that eighth, uh, position because I don't think Bournemouth are going to be able to continue this. I don't really think Brighton are going to be able to continue it either. I see Liverpool and West Ham being the two teams to move up and a game like this is, is fantastic to get yourselves into prime position to overtake some of those other teams. Yeah, you mentioned Paqueta, and I think this is a great game to show off what he offers the team and and to push them up the league. His assist to Skamaka was very fancy, a little flick over the line, and Skamaka just on sides. He right after he scored, he believed he was offsides and celebrate, and VAR took care of the rest. It was nice to see him celebrate. I think that's three straight games now he scored in all competitions. And I think in two of those three that he scored, Antonio coming off the bench has scored as well. So I don't think that's a formula that's going to succeed every game, both of them scoring. But um, people always keep talking about maybe seeing them up top together. That kind of goes away from Moyes' style here with this 4-2-3-1. Who knows if they're desperate in a game, maybe they do. Maybe they think they can dominate a back line. Kind of how in the NFL you just give the ball to your big running back and he mows people down. Uh, maybe they'll go with that tactic. I don't think we've seen that before, two guys like that. But uh, on Fulham's side, Vinicius coming in for Mitrovic, you could just clearly tell the difference. He he had no shots on target in this game. He couldn't really get involved. He was a bit bit of a shadow out there. They, they, were, they were very fortunate that Pereira scored early because if he didn't, it wouldn't have even looked like they showed up to play this match. Yeah. Um, Anthony Robinson back in the lineup. You could tell that he's a bit low on sharp match sharpness. Tim Ream getting exposed a bit. Um, just overall, West Ham's midfield won him the game with Rice and Suchek holding it down. The transition play, they just ran Reed and Paulinho over a bit with a lawnmower. So um, West Ham finally getting into stride, like you mentioned. 
they get a big match this week again um, against Southampton. And then you talk about Liverpool, they play them next week. So um, things can start adding up for them and they can really get in the groove and get back to where pretty much everybody thinks they should be. Yep. Okay. Uh, Crystal Palace 2, Leeds United 1. A tough one for Leeds. They go ahead early with a Pascal stroke goal in the 10th. But Odson Edward for the second game in a row scores in the 24th. And then Ebrichi Eze, who's back from injury, got subbed on in this one. Or actually, no, he started. Um, he scored in the 76th. Great to see this from Eze. Great to see this from Palace because they're in a tough spot. This was their first Prem win since August. Um, they're, <clears throat> that was a 3-1 win versus Aston Villa. They conceded first in that one, too. So Palace are known to play from behind. Uh, they now have won as many Premier League home games when conceding first this season as they did between 2019-2020. So this was, this was tough. This was a tough game to watch. Ugly. Um, I think Adams actually had a fantastic game. He was all over. He broke up a lot of the passing lanes. He made some really clutch tackles, but Leeds were just not able um, to convert here. I think as soon as they subbed off Aronson, it was kind of like the, the, the death rattle. I don't know. I think those two guys are so important. Like You have to have Aronson in there. Um, he's just too influential moving forward. If, if you don't have him, I don't think Bamford can sort of carry that by himself. And he got subbed off too. So I don't know this. When I look at this team, they're missing Rodrigo or not Rodrigo, uh, Rafinha. That's, that's really what it comes down to. Their attacking options are very limited. Patrick Bamford has been dealing with issues for what, it, what seems like 12 years, uh, I know they've only been up for two or three, but they, they just don't look good. And I think maybe it's time to start Joe Gelhart, see if he's able to get a decent run of form in because Bamford, you just can't count on him to be healthy. You can't count on the fact that you're always going to have to work him back into a healthy state. It's just not good. It, it's really tough. And uh, I don't know if Bamford or if, uh, if Leeds don't figure out the, the striker issue up there, I just think it's, it's going to be a really long season. I think when Leeds had the most success this season early on was when Rodrigo was the number nine. I agree. And they played Aronson as the 10 behind him. And then um, they, they had, uh, at the time, they had Dan James outright, but they could play Sinister there too once he's back from his suspension, which I think he should be. It was just a one match um, for double yellow. So Aronson operates best in the behind the striker. And we've seen Rodrigo do well as that nine, very super aggressive. He's he's willing to work on that press, like you mentioned. Brett Bamford just doesn't have the legs, and I think that could, if if uh, those two guys in the middle get a lot of attention, it opens up things for Harrison at wide too. Um, and the back line is doing just enough to keep them in games. It's not like they're getting blown out of the water, like a lot of times we've seen the last two years. Um, they're holding it down a bit. Struke with another great performance at left back. They're still waiting on Furpo to be back at full fitness. Um, Stuart Dallas will be back in a couple months. We've seen Luke Ayling slowly get back and integrate into the team. So they're getting their squad depth back. It just comes down to that number nine to secure the game. And we all picked Palace in this game, but that first half, it, it was Palace looked so bad. They, they only had yeah. the one shot on the free kick, and fortunate for them, it went in. Uh, Elize with another phenomenal bit of service yeah. and Edward put in the header away and that really solidified the game because 
if Leeds was up one nothing at the half, I think that second half would have been completely different to how it went. Um, going in one one with a with a team you're speaking as Leeds dominated. Um, they really held it down, especially the first fifteen. And Vieira made his adjustments in the second half. Um, they they played more four in the middle rather than three, and they got more control in the build up. And it showed it was a flip of the flip, uh, flip of the page really. Palace was dominating, and Leeds couldn't really do anything. And I think Jesse made his adjustments a little too late. Um, and by then, Palace got their second. So, really crazy game. Uh, we that was this was more of a managerial thing. If you want to watch what halftime changes can make into the, the rest of the game, uh, and I'm pretty happy that Palace won this game. You mentioned their first win since August, and they and they definitely deserved it. I mean, we 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 keep pounding the beating the drum to sort of say but palace is definitely going to be climbing up the league yeah um with the next round of their games they, they've already played a majority of the top quality teams and they held their own and now we're seeing them get big vital wins against teams around their area so um happy to see for palace leads if they make those adjustments maybe that we're talking about um they could be more positive and get bigger leads yep um all right we will move on to the game of the week. Arsenal 3, Liverpool 2. It lived up, I will say at the start, it lived up to the game of the year sense of thing, what you said last week. Yeah, and my game of the year, it hit. Arsenal, wow, what a performance. I cannot believe that I have all of my teams performing at once. I mean, besides the Sixers, they haven't, they're not playing yet. But Arsenal are good. The Phillies just swept the wild card. They just won yesterday against the Braves. The Eagles are 5-0. and It is truly world. something to marvel at. And, you know, my fantasy football teams are both in the, in the fucking gutter. But, oh. <laughs> you know, it, you can't have it all. You can't have it all. And you know what? I'd much rather have my teams performing well. I'm a bit of a fair-weather Eagles fan because I— fan base is, is tough i i don't necessarily associate myself myself with them because they, yeah, it gets fairly diluted they, they are they are a grimy bunch for sure but i am a big phillies fan and sixers fan and obviously arsenal is number one for me they're they're the team i care about the most uh and it's great to see them get a solid grindy victory against liverpool here gabriel martinelli got us off to a great start here Odegaard played a nice ball in. He managed to finish it. It was the first minute. Liverpool were sleeping, which is a recurring theme at this point. Darwin Nunez got one back in the 34th. Saka scored in stoppage time in the first half. And then Firmino and Liverpool came out hot in the second half, but fizzled after his goal in the 53rd. A 76-minute penalty from Saka converted us to 3-2, and two, and we managed to win the game this was such a good performance. We've won at least eight of our first nine league matches in a top flight campaign for just the fourth time this year. Um, the Gunners are at the top of the table, nine games into a season for the first time since 2016. So it's been six years since the last time uh, we started this hot. And this is a team that I just have so much confidence in. Jesus wasn't able to get on the score sheet, and Martinelli and Saka picked it up. I had a little bit of worry about Saka at the beginning of the year, whether he would be able to uh, work alongside Jesus, but he's done it. He's He's been there when we needed him to be there. He looks good. He looks a little bit more confident, and the pivot has playing fantastically. You know, we let 
We let two goals in here, but I think Saliba was good. I think Ben White and Tomiyasu are both extremely solid. And now we have a couple of options on the bench that I feel confident in. Fabio Vieira is getting goals in midweek when we play him in the Europa League. And Ketia, anytime we sub him on, he looks solid. He looks fast and, and determined. And then Tierney. I mean, when we subbed him on, he, he was great. He was really, really good. And I think to have competition in the back where you have six or seven defenders that are extremely solid, Gabriel's probably the worst of the bunch, and he's not bad. So when you have that back there, it's it's great. It's It's fantastic. And... This Arsenal team to get three points against the Liverpool squad who are extremely solid um, in, in terms of at least, you know, the, the quality they have on the pitch, not necessarily in terms of uh, uh, results this year. I think it's good. You know, we, we saw Luis Diaz get injured in this game, which is a bit unfortunate and the same for Trent. But to be honest, I think missing Trent is, is kind of a net positive at this point. He's He's been really shit. Really, really shit. So he, he was he was the reason that, that you know Van Dyke was playing so poorly, I think. And maybe when we see Trent step out now, we'll get we'll get better performances from that back line. I don't know. But this was a great game. I was I was super thrilled and it was it was on right as uh, the one PM games started to kick off for football. So I had a fantastic Sunday. Yeah, I was on the I was on the road going to a tournament with my little guys. We got second place over the weekend, which was awesome. Uh, kids were super happy. We got medals and everything, so they were hyped about that. But yeah, I saw the highlights of this game. Absolutely insane, back and forth. Um, right from the beginning, I think they just still miss Mane with that press. I think those newer guys up there, whether it's Nunez or Jota, who's been in and out of the team with fitness and injury, they just just a step off if they as soon as they lose the ball by not getting right in those the the, the Arsenal players' face right away, they quickly transition and they find those little pockets to attack. And I think it the the ball did get played to Martinelli through Trent's side, but he has one guy going through the middle. And then he has two overloading his right on the outside, and there's really not much he could have done. Um, but yeah, just from the jump, they, they they really let themselves down there. Arsenal played through the the middle well. Thiago and Henderson got overrun a bit. Um, yeah, I don't know. And Van Dijk a bit was a bit out of position, yeah. maybe a little bit not as aggressive as I think he can be to impose himself. Um, I, I think both goalkeepers played well. So I was surprised Tommy Asu got the start. Um, he did well. Yeah, this is a this was a big boy win, and I think controversial on the the penalty. I I don't know if that's a pen in my book. Um, they're both playing the ball. If if Jesus does bring it down, well, I don't think he has it under control because by then somebody's tackling him. I'm just not entirely sure about that one myself. But yeah, it was a it was momentous. Uh, moment. It was a big moment in the match to decide it a bit, and um, Liverpool just didn't have enough coming off the bench, really. Um, I mean, they, we did see Firmino, as you mentioned, D coming in for Diaz, who I think is out until yeah, he's, Christmas. He's going to be out until, yeah, I think Klopp said it's going to be like Christmas or, or early January. Yeah, so big value in, in um, Firmino now, probably playing a lot. Um, it's they just can't get away from this injury bug, uh, and I think maybe come January there needs to be a bit more investment. We've already seen 
Arthur for them, turn into a Saul from Chelsea. Yeah, he's done too. He's he's getting surgery. It's unbelievable how <laughs> how bad some business can be. And we've seen over the years Liverpool's done great business, but every once in a while you can have a howler and that's a, a massive one. Um he just Arthur stole money from the club really there. Um but yeah, I don't know. It was a I'm I'm happy you see it's it's a better league when Arsenal are good. It's yes. an inter- it's a more interesting league when Liverpool are down bad. I can't believe they're in tenth after eight games. Um yeah, they stink. And they they can't really escape the <clears throat> they can't escape the critics now because now they go into a massive matchup against City where they they're not at their best, not at full strength and they they can't pick and choose when they're going to play teams. So fortunately, I guess it's at Anfield, so they're really going to need the crowd to be behind them every minute of that game. Yeah, uh, I'd like to quickly address a comment made by uh, your your elder, your your father. Uh, he said last year that I wanted Mikel out after three games. That's true. Uh, if you recall how they played those first three games, I don't think it was an unreasonable request to call for a manager who was in his second season and hadn't necessarily gotten the boys playing all that well. Uh, I don't think it was unnecessary or unreasonable to call for for a sacking. However, I've changed my tune. It, this is true. And I think it wouldn't be unreasonable for Liverpool fans to be calling for a sack or for, for Klopp to be sacked. He's Something's going on there. And I, I don't think... It's unreasonable to to call for a sacking, honestly, even if the, the manager is top tier. I mean, look how many times Mourinho's been sacked. Look how many times Conte's been sacked. Guys like Maurizio Sarri. Like, there, there are really good top-class managers who just leave or, or get sacked. It, it It's part of the game. And if guys aren't playing for the coach anymore, then, you know, it, it it's what has to happen. I can agree to that to uh, a certain point. Um, in my mind, is if you do follow through with that, um, who out there would be a good replacement? Yeah, that's um, a fair point too. I guess the top tier guy would be Pochettino, or there's always people linking Zidane, but I don't think Zidane would ever come to England. He doesn't even know English. Um, yeah, fuck it. You're not gonna. It, it has to be a high profile guy. I think. Allegri is, Allegri is pretty much out the door at Juve. They just lost to Maccabi in the Champions League. Yeah. He's pretty much out. So, I don't know. I think there's, in my mind, there's more there's more fault on the club and recruitment because every window, they only bring in maybe one player. And I feel like you always need to bring in maybe a little bit bigger of a new crop of players to to inject some new life into the team, um, more competition. I feel like in some positions, there's a bit of complacency because they know they're going to play every game and there's nobody that's going to take their spot, even if they play bad. Whereas in Arsenal, you mentioned there's like seven guys in that back line that can play any game and you know they'll do a good job. Um we see that in Chelsea, there's a handful of players that are really struggling to get in the team, but when they do get their opportunity, they savor it. So 
I feel like it's more so that in my mind. I don't know if you can agree or maybe see it a different way, but I wouldn't be out on Klopp yet. We've we seen him with a like fully injured back line still get top four um, two seasons ago. I think he can manage. I just don't think with the expectations that they went into the season, I think they may have to change a bit, even especially if they lose this next game. They need to adjust their goals. Yeah, I I think that's that's fair. Um, I don't know. It, it's tough. I I think another thing that happened is is Pep Linders, the uh, the assistant, Klopp, one of Klopp's like trusted advisor and assistant. Yeah. Uh, you know, he published a book with all their tactics, right? Really? Yeah. So he sort of published a book, and a Liverpool fan told me this. Since he's published the book, Liverpool have sort of been found out a little bit. And it's sort of that, like, cross cross and inshallah, right? You, you just cross the ball and pray that somebody's on the end of it. Um, I don't know. Maybe that's something that, that we need to look at. I, I don't know. I need to maybe read the book because... Um, I can't make a fair assessment on whether or not that's a that's a legitimate reason, but I can see like you know imagine if if while Pat or not Pat Riley well I guess Pat Riley or um what's his name why am I Phil Jackson you know published a book at the at the height of their their uh performance with their teams like imagine if they published a book and revealed all of their strategies. You know what yeah. I mean? It, it. I can see how that would that would be a, a an issue. I don't know. Um, Salah also not good enough right now. He only has two goals this season right now. Yeah, not good. Um, he he's got to be better than that on the contract he's on, and with the amount of excuse me talent that he has, he absolutely has to be better than that. So something to look uh, to look to as we. As we move on, Everton won at Manchester United two. Good Lord. Alex Iwobi scored first in this one, a goal in the fifth minute. He's been great for Everton. Anthony struck back in the 15th. Another great goal for new signing Anthony. I thought maybe they overpaid for him, but he's been good so far. And then the sub on of Cristiano Ronaldo in the 40. Uh, when did he come on? When, when did Martial get injured? He got hurt in the 30th minute. Yeah, so Ronaldo got subbed on for Martial. And then um, he scored in the forty fourth, and that was it. It was it was uh, it was quiet the second half. United had a couple of good chances, four shots on target versus Everton's two. United did play possession in this one; they had sixty one percent of the ball. And to me, what I saw in this game, I, I watched a majority of the second half, not so much of the first. It was a very quiet second half. Um, I think this is probably how Ten Hag wants them to play. This was measured. It was controlled. They defended well. Uh, we did see Lindelof in here. There was no Varane. Casemiro got his first start. This is this is much, much better. It's measured. It's controlled. I don't know if we're going to see Ronaldo moving forward, but um, this was this was a good result for United. And I, I really don't think Everton played that poorly, to be honest with you. So um, I don't think that they'll they'll really be hanging their heads that much. But it was a it was a great win for United for sure. Yeah, I think um, I took a draw in this game, and you guys were really upset with me. But this game really could have ended in a draw. That Varane saving header at the very end, he cleared it away. Pickford was right behind him, about to smash it in. Um, this was a really 
open game more than I thought it would be. Um, specifically on the Everton side, they were real willing to send more bodies going forward. And obviously, when Man U kind of set in the, that last ten minutes, that was where they had a majority of their chances. But still, I think the first five minutes they really opened up, and Iwobi with another goal. He's been on fire the past four games with gold contributions. And yeah. other than him, they've been a little quiet going forward. Guys can't really open up and sh- open chances. Uh, Onana in the middle for them as well. A massive body. He absolutely leveled Casemiro on a 50-50 challenge. Um, just showed him. He doesn't give a fuck about where he's played or with whatever. Um, and he's dangerous going forward too. He's just a massive body to aim for. Um, on United side, I think Luke Shaw was decent. I saw him a lot getting forward in the attack, willing to make runs in around Rashford. Rashford himself had a goal uh, ruled out from VAR. Uh, he chipped it over Pickford, and the ball bobbled and hit like his upper arm, and they reviewed it and called it no goal. So that was his only real chance on target. Um, he's a bit out of the game on that left. He's better up top which is, from his own words, he prefers to play that number nine. Um, I think going forward, they're probably going to play Ronaldo there instead. But uh, we'll see. And you already mentioned Anthony. Anthony's scored in every game he's played, I think, now in the league, which is, I think, the only player for United ever to score in his first three in the league. Um, Good accomplishment for him. And I think we're one positive for United is Maguire is completely out of the team. I don't think he's ever getting back in. So the, no no more memes there. Yeah. And uh yeah, I think this is a good win for United. It it jumps them back into fifth. It gives them some more confidence going forward. It makes them forget about the Manchester Derby and they can get things going a bit again. Now going into another game where it's going to be a highly competitive match. Yeah, it is crazy to like after the start that United had. It's crazy to think that they're in fifth. Um, you know, they're yeah. they're quite a few points behind City and Arsenal, but they're not that many points. Like they're only a point behind Chelsea. They could jump into fourth. They could be in the Champions League spot. Um, a lot of games left to play, but it is kind of interesting to see that. Uh, and then we'll jump into the Snorefest of the week. Uh, Nottingham Forest and Aston Villa. Two goals in this game, separated by only seven minutes. Emmanuel Dennis. Scored in the 15th for Nottingham Forest. Got them off to a 1-0 start. And then Ashley Young with an absolute fucking screamer in the 22nd. Not something uh, I had on my bingo board for the weekend. But he had the lone goal for Villa. Other than that, uh, all was quiet on the front. 12 shots for Villa. But no real threatening chances outside of that Ashley Young goal. Uh, same thing with, with Nottingham Forest. Three shots on target. But Villa controlled the game for sure. They They played better possession. But... I just think when you look at this Villa team and look at the Nottingham Forest team, there are better players on this Villa team. They should probably be getting the win here. Uh, Buendia has been just such an unbelievable flop. I really did think he would be okay, but he has not been good. Um, Coutinho has been quiet. Ali Watkins has been pretty quiet, other than those couple weeks that he looked good. And then having McGinn in the midfield, I, I, I don't know. I, I just... I don't love him. I'm not in love with, with the majority of the players on this team. I just don't think that they have a lot of talent on the bench either. There's a couple of guys, Marvelous Nakamba, but like other than that, I don't know. It's just, ugh, 
this this Aston Villa team does not move the needle for me. I think Nottingham Forest has a little bit more, uh, a couple more dynamic players, to be honest with you, and they weren't able to get it done just because of experience, in my opinion. Yeah, Zach, Zach made a good point last week saying that there'd be more cards than goals in this game, and we saw six bookings. Three on each side. It was a heavily chippy game. I mean, yeah. oh my god, the tensions were so high in this match. I think more than they needed to be. But um, my boy Dennis getting a goal, starting there. No Lingard. You saw a bit of difference there. Um, she, they're still rocking Brendan Johnson. Uh, it seems like they almost have to play him uh, because of just what he did last year for them. Um, and yeah, I think overall it was. It ended in a result that I think was fair. Young scoring was crazy. Um, and yeah, other than that, there wasn't really too much notable to mention. There wasn't any crazy moments going forward. There were no, nobody really dominated the attack. Um, yeah, it was just not really much to talk about. It was one of those games you really want to forget about that you watched. Yeah, absolutely. It was, it was slow. It was, it was not nice to watch. Uh, just very ugly. I had, pretty much um resigned myself to watching it because i had nothing else going on but it was it was not a fun game to watch uh okay let's jump into the previews we have brentford taking on brighton um at gtech so a home game for brentford i'm gonna take brighton in this one i think they were a bit unlucky to get the loss last week against tottenham brentford don't look good they just you know conceded five goals against newcastle i'm gonna take brighton in this one and, and ride with the form yeah, um, like I mentioned, Zach hasn't gotten anything right with Brentford yet. He if one it he's gonna pick Brighton in this game. Um, if that makes you want to change your pick, last year Brighton swept Brentford one uh, nil at Brentford and then two nil at the Amex. Brighton have kept uh, five clean sheets in their last seven away matches against Brentford in all comps. There have been over two and a half goals scored in five of Brentford's last six home matches and Brentford have seen under two and a half goals in th- their last three matches against Brighton. Um, I think I'm going to sweep here with you guys. I'm going to go Brighton. Um, Brentford looked absolutely horrendous last week, but I, I think last that they did, didn't they get pumped earlier in the year too, to a certain extent? Yeah. Uh, I forget who it was off the way back. They lost three 0 to Arsenal, uh, and then the next week they got a draw against Bournemouth. I could see something similar here. Um, I think it could be like a one nil game, but uh, I think I'm gonna rock with Brighton too. I love them on the road. Cool. Uh, we'll jump into Leicester City versus Crystal Palace. This is a tougher game for me to pick because I don't, I just don't feel like Leicester can be this bad forever. But who knows? Maybe they can be. Um, I'm going to take Palace in this one. I like them to, to get two on the bounce here. They won against Leeds last week. They exhibited some grit for me. Uh, big grit guy these days. Uh, and I'm going to take, I'm going to take Palace again here against, uh, against Leicester. They just haven't shown me enough. Yeah. Zach's going to go with a draw here. He doesn't see anything between the two. Uh, last year they did tie at Selhurst two, two, and then Leicester in the rematch tie one, two, one at uh, King power. Uh, Leicester have lost seven of their last eight in the league. Palace on the other side have failed to win five to win their last five away matches. Um, and then there's been over two and a half goals scored in nine of Leicester's last ten games. 
Um, I think I'm going to go with Zach here. I think a draw is fair. I think Palace don't have enough form to really make a run, but um, I do think Leicester are bad enough to maybe let the match get out of hand um, and end in a draw. Yeah, for sure. Okay. Um, Wolves versus Nottingham Forest. God, this one stinks. Wolves are probably due for a win, but I don't know. I I just don't feel comfortable taking them. They suck. They're a point ahead of Nottingham Forest in the table, but I I don't necessarily think that means anything. Um, I guess I'll go with a draw. I mean, I I don't know. I don't want to pick Nottingham Forest to win a game, but I also, like, Wolves have shown me absolutely nothing, so. I'm just going to go with the draw. I I think maybe it could be a 1-1 or a 0-0. I think Dennis is good. Maybe he'll get on the score sheet. And uh, Wolves are probably good enough to fight back a little bit, but I don't see them winning the game outright. So uh, if you put a gun to my head, I, I guess I'd say draw. Yeah, Zach's going to go with Wolves here. Uh, this is, well, Neves, Ruben Neves will be back from his one-match suspension. This will be Nathan Collins' last game suspension from that City Red. Still no Jimenez and Neto, so Diego Costa again up front, maybe with Guedes, um, could be interesting for them. Wolves have failed to score in six of their last eight matches. They've been losing both at halftime and full-time in their last three. They have failed to win 15 of their last 16 matches in the league, whereas Forest have failed to win their last seven matches. Um, It's an absolute diabolical diabolical match. Both teams are in the relegation zone. Um, we saw this same matchup last week with Forrest against Leicester, and they got absolutely obliterated. These two teams possibly have the worst attacks. Wolves have only scored three goals in nine matches. Uh, I think I'm going to send a flyer here. I'm going to go with Forrest. Okay. Interesting. Wol- Wolves are just absolutely horrendous. It's tough to go against Zach here. Zach's nine and or eight and one picking Wolves games, but. I, re- I think Forrest here, with, especially if Dennis gets another start. I think he can rip things up. Yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah, so we're all spread out there on that one. Yeah. We have all three results. Uh, okay. Up next, Fulham-Bournemouth. This one stinks. I'm taking Fulham. Uh, Zach's going with Fulham as well. I think yeah. Mitrovic will make his return. It's going to be a massive boost for them. Uh, going forward, I think William too may be back. Kenny Tete and Kurzawa are all game time decisions. So we may see a full strength Fulham team. Uh, Bournemouth, on the other hand, should be okay too. They don't have major injuries going forward. Pretty much the same team. Lloyd Kelly, club captain, should be back. Um, he was absent in the Leicester match, but I think he'll be back for this one. We've gone against Bournemouth every game. And they've shown that they're decent. I think this game will be close. I think Bournemouth can make a match of it. It's it's at Fulham. Uh, the last time these guys played it was in 2018 and 19 season in the league. They split results. Bournemouth won 3-0 at Craven Cottage. Fulham won 1-0 at the Vitality. There have been over two and a half goals scored in Fulham's last seven games. Fulham have conceded at least two goals in six of the last seven and Bournemouth are undefeated in their last five. Um, I think I'm just going to go with a draw here. I can't really pick either way. I think Fulham can get a couple here, but Bournemouth just have a way to fight back into these games, and Fulham's defense as of lately has been very skittish. So I think a, like a 1-1 draw. Yeah. Uh, okay. 
Let's move to the next one. We have Tottenham Everton. Something about this game is speaking to me. And I don't I, I don't like it. I think this should be like a pretty straightforward Tottenham pick, but I'm Do I just fade my instinct? I'll just take Tottenham. I'm gonna fade my instinct. Something's telling me draw about this game. I don't know what it is. Maybe it's the fact that Tottenham were only able to score one and, and seem a little bit constipated in terms of scoring. Um I don't think Everton looked terrible last week, but you know my instinct is telling me draw. I'm gonna fade it because my picks haven't been very good, and just take Tottenham. Yeah, Kulusevski should be back on the bench here. Um, Emerson is is should be back. No, he's still suspended. No, he has, this is oh, it was a straight red. Yeah. Okay. So uh, on the other side, Everton, Anthony Gordon is suspended. He picked up his fifth yellow in that United game, so he'll be out. That's a massive loss for them going forward. Oh, I didn't realize. Um, Tottenham have won their last seven home matches. I think Tottenham here easy. Uh, they normally dominate this game. Uh, the most recent one back in March, they won 5 0 in an absolute obliteration. And I think it'll be similar here. I think Conte's got Frank's number. So I'll go with Spurs. Okay. Southampton versus West Ham. Up next, I'm taking West Ham in this one. Southampton looked like shit against City last week. West Ham are sort of gathering some form. I'm going to ride the Lightning and go with the Hammers. Uh, Zach's taking Spurs as well. I don't think I mentioned that. Okay. Uh, and then in this game, he is going with Southampton and a bit of an upset here. Uh, last year, Spurs, or last year, these teams tied nil nil. And then in the rematch at the London Stadium, Southampton won 3 2 on a late winner. I, re- I think I remember that. Uh, injury wise, Southampton's pretty healthy. Still no Livermento and Lavia. Uh, and then for West Ham, Cornet is going to be out. He picked up a bit of a calf issue, so that's a big loss for them. But Skamaka is going to be a massive, massive guy going forward. We know Southampton have very big and strong center backs in Salisu and, and uh, Bella Cocho. Um, should be a massive battle there going forward. Um, West Ham have lost eight of their last ten away matches where Southampton are on a four-game losing streak. And there have been over two and a half goals scored in five of Southampton's last six games. Uh, I think I'm going to go with West Ham again. I think Southampton's demise keeps going. Uh, West Ham just look really strong going forward. And I love Paqueta in that position, uh, being able to open things up. I think West Ham's three will, will, will definitely outmatch uh, Southampton's two and get more control in this game. Yeah. Okay. Uh, <clears throat> okay. Manchester United versus Newcastle. Draw. Wow. Right off the bat. Yeah, draw. I, I just I think these teams are kind of in a similar spot. Um both are performing well enough. But I do think Newcastle have enough to stay into this game. I just think Gimaris will probably do a great job in the midfield and he's been good, so I don't I don't really want to go against Newcastle right now. I'm gonna take a draw. Uh, it's saying that McTominay is going to be out. He's suspended. I think he picked up another yellow, so he's going to be out. So we'll definitely go see another Casemiro appearance. Uh, we know about Martial being out. Um, we'll be, it'll be interesting to see who starts up front, whether it's Rashford or Ronaldo, because they could probably start Sancho out on the left. Um, I think this is a, this should be a big Ronaldo game. We saw last year. This was his first game back after rejoining United, and he scored a brace. I think we could see the same thing here. Um, 
but this is a new revamp newcastle this was before the takeover that game i'm talking about united have won five of their last six matches in the league scoring over two and a half goals in their last four home matches newcastle undefeated in 10 of their last 11 games and united have scored at least two goals in their last three matches uh zach took united obviously um this is going to be a dogfight. I think set pieces will decide it. Trippier is going to be a major X factor. Um, they're really going to need to, speaking of a free United, they're really going to need to press him and make sure he doesn't have any time to whip any balls in. Um, initially, I lean more towards Newcastle here, but I think I'm going to fade my gut instinct and I'm going to go with United as well here. Um, United haven't been, or Newcastle, I should say, haven't been really dominant in a lot of these big high profile games. And I think United here at home just get a little bit of a boost. So I'll go with Man U. Okay. Um Leeds versus Arsenal. That's an easy one for me. I'm gonna take Arsenal. Yeah, this is the easiest one too. Zach and I are both going with Arsenal. Um we've seen Leeds pull off upsets before. They beat Chelsea three nil. Uh, Arsenal have won nine of their last ten in the league, scoring at least two goals in those last ten. Uh, Leeds are undefeated in their last five home matches, though, and Arsenal have had over two and a half goals scored in their last eight games. I can definitely see this being like a five-goal banger, like 4-1 Arsenal. Um, I could also see it being like a one-nil tight game. I think Leeds can really play these big teams um, well. I think teams underestimate them a bit. Uh, Injury-wise, I think Leeds should be okay. The normal guys are out still. Arsenal, on the other hand, um, no Smith-Rowe and Elneny. I think Zinchenko is going to be a game-time decision. But other than that, it's a full-strength lineup, and I think Arsenal here by at least two. Okay, cool. Uh, Then we have Aston Villa versus Chelsea, another one that's pretty easy for me. I'm going to take Chelsea straight up. Yep, Zach and I, Chelsea as well. Um, it should be interesting to see if Chupa Mecca comes off the bench, play against his former club. Uh, they're still going to be without uh, Digne, which is a massive loss for them. So Ashley Young will be there. Bailey's a game-time decision for them as well. We know Reese James is definitely going to miss this game, I think. They're going to play it safe. So Azpilicueta will go back out there. And uh, I, th- I picked up a bombing on my fantasy team, so I think he should definitely start here. Um, didn't didn't play in the last one against Wolves. Just played in the Champions League, got another goal. Uh, I think this is definitely another game where he can score. So I think Chelsea here on the road. Cool. And then we have Liverpool versus Man City, which is the 11:30 game on Sunday. This is an absolute just Man City smash. I mean, they lost. Liverpool lost to Arsenal last week. They let in a lot of goals. I think City are just too dominant right now. Um, it's going to be awesome to see Holland go up against. Uh, Van Dyke, I think he's going to really get exposed. People are really going to start to finally uh, talk about how bad Van Dyke's been. Uh, I'm going to take City on this one. I think this is a route, by the way. Yeah, uh, Liverpool is on their last bit of stance there in the back. Trent's out, Matip's out. Um, Robo is going to be like a game time decision. It'll be Gomez, Simikas. Yeah, Gomez, Samikas, and then Van Dijk and Konate yeah. in the back, probably with that midfield three of like Thiago, Fabinho, and Henderson. And then you can go with Nunes, Salah, and Jota, or Firmino, however you want. So 
I still think it's going to be a competitive game. We saw last week Arsenal do play almost a mirror image of how City play, just not to that full potential, if you want to say. Um, but I think Liverpool play City so well. I could easily be swayed to think this is a draw, but I'm just going to go with the, the safe answer in my stomach and go with City as well, and uh, Zach as well as going with Man City. All right, cool. Um, all right, well, that's, uh, that's everything in terms of recap and predictions for us. Um, I, you guys will probably get a new episode. What do you think Monday, Matt? Because there's, there's games Tuesday. Yeah, we're definitely going to have to do one either, uh, Monday or it'd have to be like an early Tuesday type of day of deal. Yeah. Um, cause we're definitely going to be busy on Sunday all day. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, yeah, you, it'll be either a Monday sometime on Monday, if not a super early, like Tuesday. All right. Okay, so you guys can um, look forward to that. You know, we're going to start to deal with a little bit of congestion. Um, probably going to have to be the same thing the following week. So uh, we'll let you guys know. You'll just make sure you check your feeds. It'll be out. We're not going to miss it. So um, other than that, you know, we hope you enjoyed the episode. Hope you guys are enjoying NFL show as well. Uh, make sure you check us out on social media at Post20Pod on Twitter and Instagram. You can also find all of our past episodes and future episodes of the show on Spotify, SoundCloud, and Apple Podcasts. And I guess until Monday, stay safe, enjoy the games, and we'll see you soon. Take care. <laughs>